eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Radio.com Sports presenting Big Time Baseball. Brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes-Benz A-Class. This is Josh Lewin along with John Heyman. And we are bringing you insight into the top stories every week. Obviously, it's... Pretty much all World Series based right now, although there's managerial nonsense to get through. and We'll get to that, I promise, but we're going to go World Series first and foremost. Big Time Baseball, part of Radio.com, allowing you to listen to your favorite radio stations free of charge anytime, anywhere. Don't forget to follow us, please. It's Radio.com Sports on Twitter, at RDC Sports, and subscribe to Big Time Baseball on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Let's get to it. Let's talk about Washington and Houston and a World Series not a lot of people saw coming, the uh, the spring training partners, but here they are reunited. And it was pretty remarkable, I thought, to see Washington just bolt out, just shrug their shoulders like it's no big deal to go into Houston, beat Verlander, beat Cole, go up 2-0. Then they head home, and I don't know if it's just kind of smelling the champagne cork a little too early or if it's just that Houston's really, really good. But all of a sudden, it's 3-2 Houston as they go back to Houston. Yeah, it felt like Washington was going to take this series. They'd won eight games in a row, two games at Houston. Not easy to do. But I, I think your second hypothesis is correct. Houston is just a spectacular team. 107 games in the regular season, champions in 2017. Uh, obviously knocked out last year by Boston, having that special season. Uh, that's really all that kept them from really winning last year. They were fantastic as well. Uh, they have a very talented and deep lineup. And, and the top of the rotation is the best in baseball. And, uh, you know, A.J. Hinch does a, a terrific job. And I think we've seen that, the use of Alvarez there, throwing him into left field and having a big game in game five was huge. Uh, the reliance on, on Will Harris, who's been fantastic out of the pen, uh, has been right. Urquidy was the right call. I saw he got criticized for not going even longer with Urquidy, but, you know, five innings, from a rookie pitcher, uh, pretty darn good. Uh, they have a great team and a great manager, and I don't think we should be surprised that they have the advantage right now. I want to go back to Urquidy. I'll put the key in Urquidy. I think the key to the whole series right now is that they got what they got out of him in Game 4. He had more one, two, three innings, John, 
than all those studs did first time through. I mean, Strasburg didn't do it, and Cole didn't do it, and Verlander, I mean, whoever you want to talk about. So from out of nowhere, this guy who had barely pitched for a month gives them just a, a huge effort. And I love that about the World Series. It's, it's almost always the, the guys you least expect that come through, right? I mean, that, that have the big World Series. There have been World Series MVPs that have been so far down in your mind in the past. And I'm not saying that Urquidy is a World Series MVP, but if Torino's homers again, you know, he might be the guy. So, I mean, I, I love the unpredictability of all this. Absolutely. I, some of that comes from the teams being smart and pitching around the, the best players. And then Bucky Dents and the, uh, people like that, people of that ilk, very good players, sometimes rise to the occasion. I'm with you. I love it. It's interesting to see. In this case, uh, they had not seen Urquidy. Uh, the unfamiliarity, unfam- I think, was an issue there. That was a game that the Nats needed to win, though, with Corbin going against a rookie and Arkady just came up big, and uh, that was a huge moment for them. I, obviously, Washington didn't know at that time that Max Scherzer was going to be unable to go in Game 5, but uh, as it turned out, uh, uh, that was a turning point moment for them. The two teams that had the best record starting on May 23rd are now in the World Series. So, I mean, I guess maybe we could have seen this coming all the way. But let's backtrack to the Nats for just a second here, John. To get there, they had to, to get past that 19-31 and 31 start. They were the second-worst team in the National League. Then they were seven games behind the San Diego Padres uh, on the standings page on, on May 23rd. So a lot of credit to them that to pull themselves back up and into it. Uh, you know, the whole baby shark thing, which has this undertone of Gloria, you know, the way the St. Louis Blues were, were able to get it done in the NHL this year, coming back from the dead. So I mean, so much to like about the Nationals. You, you just get the sense in a weird way, though, that it's kind of like, all right, You've had your fun, and now here comes the varsity, right? I mean, they, they got to take yeah. out the Houston Astros, who were the best team all year for a reason. Yeah, I mean, the Astros are clearly a powerhouse. On paper, they're the best team in baseball. I think everybody knew that going in. Washington had something special going or had something special going. And Davey Martinez has done a really nice job with that clubhouse. He looked like he was on the firing line when they were 19 and 31, kept the team together. I, I feel like he calls up uh, Para so we can get the baby shark music going uh, just to get that going. And uh, more than a, a baseball strategy, it seems to be a, a uh, a, an environment, a climate uh, switch that he's looking for. And uh, it's worked sometimes. It, it, it is a lot of fun. It's uh, terrific. They have the dance in the uh, in the dugout, but uh, is the dance and the shark going to be good enough? Uh, you know, it looks questionable right now. They're in a tough spot. The Scherzer injury certainly uh, plays a role here, a big role. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Houston just has a really good team. Obviously, Cole's the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, has been all year, and uh, Verlander is the second best. So it's a, it's a tough combo to beat. You've got Granke, who's a probable Hall of Famer as your number three starter in that great lineup. So, uh, you know, I give Washington credit for putting themselves in position. They still have a shot, but uh, it looks like a, a somewhat of a long shot right now. And if it does come down to a game seven, doesn't it seem like it comes down to nuance? I mean, who does the little things well? And Houston, I think, does those kind of things better than anybody in baseball. I mean, who runs the bases? who gets a bunt down, who goes first to third on a well-placed single, who takes advantage of a ball in the dirt and moves up on a wild pitch. Uh, I just look at little things. I guess the you know the more we get towards the finish line here where every little thing makes a difference, I don't know of a team that does little things better than Houston. 
Yeah, they do these little things and the big things. Uh, you know, they hit a ton of home runs, and they don't strike out very much. They walk a lot. They make the plays. They run the bases exceptionally well. They just have good ball players all over the diamond, uh, whether it be Altuve, who's been fantastic throughout his postseason career and in the regular season as well. Bregman, uh, arguably the MVP this year, and just a really deep lineup. That Jordan Alvarez trade where they got him for Josh Fields, uh, that may bring him two championships because uh, Fields uh, was traded to the Dodgers and Alvarez came from the Dodgers and Fields uh, blew up, giving up back-to-back home runs in the 2017 World Series, which enables Houston to barely pull that one out. And Alvarez with a big game in Game 5 for Houston. So uh, that small trade that went barely noticed at the time could wind up being huge and just added to a team that's uh, really a fantastic team. I don't know if it's an all-time great team, but it's certainly a great team. Usually, John, we, we save the speculation about who's going where in free agency for the final segment. We'll get into a little bit of that in the podcast today. But I, I think it's appropriate to bring up now, just to be Captain Angst here for a moment. The Astros relied so much on Cole to win game five. You know, they needed him and, they, and he did the great job he expected. It'll be Strasburg and game six. And the, the thing that those two guys have in common, beyond both of them being number one picks, is they could be somewhere else next year. So uh, just give me a, a thought, if you would, on those guys and if there's any chance they're in the same uniforms in 2020. Yeah, I, it's limited for Cole, I think. And I think uh, Houston's owner, uh, Jim Crane, has made that clear. Uh, once they traded for Granke and committed those dollars for him, um, it made it difficult and they'd have to go over the a luxury tax threshold, uh, something Houston has not wanted to do in the past. Uh, you know, obviously Cole has been uh, if you're going to pick one guy who's been the key to their team and possible likely championship team now, it's been him. But, uh, you know, free agency coming. He is a Californian. We do expect the Yankees to be involved. I, I think it's uh, not that likely that he ends up uh, back with Houston. Uh, the Angels obviously need pitching. They've already gotten in Madden and Callaway, and that was their pitching coach. And that would be odd not to make a big play to act to get actual pitchers now when they've set themselves up to have a big year for next year with their new manager and, and coach. And I think the Dodgers have never gone for the really huge outside free agent in the past. I think they'll be involved as well. And Cole uh, is from Newport Beach and went to UCLA. So I, I would if I were going to bet, I would say. Uh, one of the L.A. teams might be more li- most likely uh, with the Yankees involved as well. And then Strasburg, you know, um, I-, I think he likes Washington. Uh, clearly, he's been there from the beginning, a number one pick. Uh, they treated him exceptionally well. 2012, they protected him uh, the t- uh, with after the Tommy John and uh, certainly has paid off for a nice career. And uh, he's in very good position, as we said last week. Uh, barring something unforeseen, he will opt out from the $100 million in four years to go. So it uh, doesn't mean he's leaving Washington. That one, I think, has some chance to stay. But he's another Southern Californian from San Diego. So I'm going to look at Padres, who've done a lot of big stuff. They've signed a lot of big free agents. That seems to be their MO for a, a fairly small market team. And, of course, the Dodgers and Angels uh, could be in there as well. So uh, I think uh, both guys may wind up on the West Coast. Hey, I, on the Astros, John, I want to ask you, too, about a guy who's not a free agent, but just a really interesting guy, and that's Altuve, who obviously keeps on producing. And, you know, you, you look back, you hear the stories about how he basically had to talk himself into a tryout with the Astros in the first place. They didn't believe he was old enough. They thought he was too short, all of that. 
So this guy's made quite a career out of proving people wrong. He's just a, a really interesting guy to watch play baseball, isn't he? Just incredible. And, uh, you know, I pointed out that uh, the Nats got a, a great deal signing Juan Soto for $1.5 million. And somebody pointed out to me that Altuve got, I think it was 15000 So uh, what is right. that, 1%? I can't do the math in my head. But it's, you know, barely registers to the $1.5 million. Uh, incredible story of a guy with an enormous heart. And I, what is he listed as? 5'6", but I... I saw Ken Rosenthal interviewing him. I don't know whether they had the camera angle. It looked like Rosenthal was towering over him and five four and three quarters or whatever he claims. But he looked bigger than Altuve. But whether he's five four or five six or whatever, it's an amazing story. Uh, he's one of the top ten players in the game and uh, just incredible and an all time great, really. Hey, uh, one more before we get to Bob Nightingale. Kind of weird, isn't it, that so far as we tape this in the postseason, home teams have a losing record they're 17 and 18 what is going on with that <laughs> uh, I don't it might be something psychological where the away team knows that really has to get going I I can't figure it out in the first five World Series games you know there's never been and this is Washington's hope is to win two more on the road and uh, have all seven games go to the road team in the World Series that that's never happened before and uh, obviously the odds are against them at this point but uh you know, I mean, we have a lot of great teams. There's, I think, a lot of parity at the top of baseball. Maybe the, maybe not throughout baseball because there are some great teams and some terrible teams, but only the great teams get to play in the postseason. And uh, those teams are capable of winning on the road and uh, showing it here this October. All right, let's get to Bob Nightingale in just a moment here. Big Time Baseball World Series Edition brought to you by the Mercedes-Benz A-Class. We appreciate you being here. Bob Nightingale takes some time with us. I don't know where he finds the time because he writes all the time, tweets all the time. You follow him, I, I hope, on Twitter and read him in, on USA Today or in USA Today or on USA Today. I don't even know what the pronouns and, and words are now because everybody's got either – they don't have newspapers open. They, you know, they're either online to find it or they've got some sort of digital access. So anyway, however you know about Bob, here he is. And, Bob, I'm always amazed about how this time of year you national writers will travel around and, and never get home. When's the last time you were actually in Phoenix, Arizona? And it was the, uh, September 24th, Josh. Jeez. Left things to go to St. Louis for the, uh, the final Cubs-Cardinal series and the Madden firing and then straight to the postseason from there. <laughs> so I'll be, home only, I'll be home this week. I know that for sure. And at least that. At least the GM meetings are in Phoenix, so I get I get some home games. Bob, I, you know, I follow your Twitter uh, religiously and with interest, and you have a lot of interesting stuff on there. One thing piqued my curiosity a few days ago, and nobody's really followed up on it. It just kind of sat, sat out there, and it was interestingly, I think you said that Eduardo Perez was the leading candidate or something like that. I know we have to choose our wording carefully on Twitter, or people are going to come back at us and nitpick and whatever so where do you where do you think things stand with the Mets uh obviously they haven't gone for the big experience they've got some people that uh, we all know and like like Eduardo and others involved where do you think things stand now is Eduardo the leading candidate is he likely is or, or are they still thinking about others I think he's likely John I mean he's uh, gone through two interviews already with the past few flying colors he still needs a uh, third interview and that's with Fred Walpon you know, it's almost, you know, like kissing the ring of the Godfather. Uh, if, that one, if that one goes fine, uh, you know, I, I think he's the guy. And you talk to uh, 
people with the Mets, you talk with people with MLB and, and other franchises, and everybody is hearing the same thing. I mean, obviously there's still a lot of guys in play, but but he's the guy people say this it's his job to lose. You know, just keeping it in New York for a second, Bob, as we record this, kind of some breaking news that I think is is interesting and maybe a little surprising that Larry Rothschild is not going to go back as pitching coach for the Yankees. Been there nine years. And with Aaron Hicks having uh, surgery, and he's going to miss a whole lot of time going forward, uh, other little tweaks with the Yankees. I know everybody's thinking that, you know, the Yankees are close. I mean, if they had just been healthy this past year, it all would have worked out. But all of a sudden, it almost dawns on you that there's some heap, uh, upheaval on the other side of town there, too. Yeah, a little surprised about Larry. I thought he'd be there as long as he wanted. Uh, obviously, you know, the Yankees are very analytical franchise. I think so about you scouting, too. But Brian Cashman's very analytics. And maybe uh, Larry was bucking that a little bit. You know, who knows? Maybe Larry ends up with uh, Joe Girardi. He had a pitching coach in, in Philadelphia. You know, that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think that uh, they need to get some starting pitching. You know, you can't just do the bullpen thing forever. And uh, I know Herman hurt them by, you know, by, by being suspended or maybe they'd be in the World Series. But I, but I do think they need to make some big moves the offseason. At least get a veteran starter. You know, get one one guy in there. Bob, you're not only good for your news, you're good for strong opinions, too. And we've already had four hirings uh, in Major League Baseball uh, at the manager position. Two super experienced guys, Madden and Girardi, and two with no experience in Tingler and David Ross. How, How would you assess any of these particularly surprise you? And do you think anyone's going down the wrong road here? Well, I would, have, I would have liked to see the San Diego Padres have Ron Washington. I thought Washington was a perfect choice, great instructor. He would have jumped on guys for, you know, non-hustling, playing right. And I think we got them playing the kind of baseball the uh, Padres uh, deserve. Uh, so I would have done that. You know, David Ross was rumored, what, John, probably since last September, really, ever since ever since they weren't going to renew uh, uh, Joe Madden's contract or even talk extension. So he was certainly a guy that, Going to kind of follow the Aaron Boone and Alex Cora footsteps, you know, where, uh, you know, they kind of have him uh, kind of groomed on the job. Uh, I'm surprised. I know they haven't made their hire yet. I'm surprised with the Mets. Um, uh, I thought they should hire, or I still think they should hire an experienced guy. I mean, I think this team is ready to win right now. <clears throat> you, you can't have a rookie manager make mistakes. And, uh, you know, some good candidates, good, good candidates here, like Eduardo Perez. I'm surprised he didn't go a, a show Walter, a Girardi, you know, even even a John Farrell route. Or Dusty. Or, or Dusty, yeah, absolutely. But just someone that's been there before and, and won before. Because, uh, you know, windows start to close here a little bit with the, with the Mets. You can't keep that starting rotation there uh, forever. And, uh, you know, they're, they're built to win right now. Bob Nightingale visiting with us. And since you're hot on the trail of the World Series, Bob, I want to get into it a little bit with you. And, and looking at the Astros, who, if they get it done, they wouldn't be the only team to win two World Series in three years. I mean, it has happened this decade, too. In fact, it happened twice, technically, because the Giants did it twice, run of three and five years. But we haven't seen the Giants in a while, uh, you know, ever, ever since then. The Astros seem like they're built to hang around for a good long time. They're, they're the only team in this century to win at least 100 games at least three years in a row. And uh, th- that's, that's pretty impressive stuff, what, what they've done. I love it uh, from an, uh, I guess, on-field perspective 
off the field, there's a lot of talk about the culture, the, the mess that they've made. Uh, Brandon Taubman, obviously the, the tip of that iceberg, if you will. I mean, the hope is there's not much more of an iceberg. But how do you look at that with, with Houston? Are, are they kind of uh, damning their culture at the expense of let's just do whatever we need to do to win and be a dynasty? Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully this was a uh, outlier thing with Tom and, you know, and uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly got, it's, it's a great clubhouse. You walk around, you know, great personalities in there with uh, Altuve and Bregman and Springer. A.J. Hinch is one of the most engaging, you know, managers I've ever, ever been around, you know, in three decades. I, a fabulous guy. So it's a, uh, a fun group to be around. And there's, you know, they're not just winning. There's kind of a, obliterating people. I think Jason Stark was saying uh, last night we're walking out minute walking out late in uh, Washington that I think only three or four teams have uh, outscored their opponents by more runs in a three year period in baseball history, you know, than the Astros have. You know, granted, you know, there's a lot of teams that don't try to win the American League, like Justin Berlin I was saying the other day, but it's still impressive just the way you know they've won and, and won big, and uh, they they should keep on going. I mean they. Uh, you know, they got the right guys that made the right trades. I mean, for getting Garrett Cole in Berlin or for what they gave up, you know, just absolute steals. Yeah, Bob, I, I agree with you. The players are fantastic with the Astros. Just a terrific group, uh, focused, determined. Uh, the clubhouse is incredible. Uh, A.J. Hinch is, if not the best manager in baseball, certainly one of the best. And he was the one guy who really stood up and said what went on with the Brandon Taubman was really not the right thing, really a bad thing to do. And to make someone in your clubhouse feel uncomfortable or a group of three women uh, was inappropriate completely, uh, just not not at all called for. And uh, he made that clear right up front. Eventually, the Astros uh, cleaned it up to some degree and issued a retraction for their bad press release, uh, accusing uh, the Sports Illustrated writer Stephanie Epstein of fabricating a story, which she did not. Obviously, her story was 100% accurate. The press release was the fabrication. So I don't know. You know, I I still wonder about the whole culture there. Uh, Taubman didn't write that press release. So uh, we'll see how they do going forward. Uh, again, not the clubhouse, not the manager. They're fantastic. The question I want to ask you, though, is about the guy who really this is, is all started with, which is the closer, Roberto Osuna. And obviously we know it was a big controversy when they acquired him as a distressed asset after that terrible incident uh, in Canada. They didn't press charges. He was not uh, convicted of any crime, but he was, did agree to a 75-game suspension. Houston picked him up for, uh, as a distressed asset, and obviously uh, Taubman's outburst uh, was revolved around Osuna. Now, I give you credit. Uh, not only do you break stories and cover all the games, you do uh, get a, exclusive interviews, and you did one with Osuna, uh, which was highly criticized on Twitter. And uh, I think people were complaining that Osuna uh, got to speak at all. Uh, my, I had a complaint with that, basically with Osuna, not with you, which is that uh, he was, in my mind, whining about the fact that it was all brought to the fore again, that we're now talking about his bad incident. You know, when you do something like that, uh, it's, it's never going to go away. It's a terrible thing, and it shouldn't go away. And I think he should understand that. And I read your article with interest, and he didn't really uh, address the fact that Brandon Taubman, whatever you think of him, and he did a very, very bad thing, he was standing up for Osuna 
and lost his job and likely his career over this. And I I just was uh, uh, disappointed, uh, I will say, with Osuna, uh, focusing on the fact that he's now the focus again, his mistake is the focus, rather than the fact that this guy stood up for him and is now out of work. Well, what's, you know, you, you wrote the article straight. You used the quotes. What, what, what did you think about uh, what Osuna told you and the reaction that you got from that article? Yeah. I mean, I understood exactly where Osuna was coming from and his teammates felt the same way. Uh, you know, Alex Bregman, you know, loves the guy, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, Robinson Torinos was saying, Hey, maybe, you know, people should come forward and just say, uh, and, and really look at who Asuna is. And, yeah, I mean, you're right, John. I mean, he did a, you know, very bad thing. You know, in this case, in the Tottenham case, yeah, it was, it's been going on for over a year with the same woman reporter who's wished to remain anonymous. There just happened to be two other women reporters standing by her. But this has been going on. And Osuna's thing was, hey, I, I wasn't the one taunting her or saying you made the right deal by doing it. Why bring my name back in this thing? You know, let me, you know, for all we know, he's, uh, you know, going to, you know, women's shelters and everything else every day. You know, obviously he's not, but we don't know what he's doing off the field, but they say he's done everything right, been a model citizen. And I think, you know, obviously he's not going to go away, but he didn't want to be thrown right back in the forefront right before the World Series started. You know, saying, you know, almost like, why do you have to bring me up the past so everybody can start booing me and, and hitting me once again? Hey, Bob, last one I got for you, just keeping with front offices. The Red Sox are bringing in Chaim Bloom from Tampa Bay and, and giving Brian O'Halloran a little bit more to do. Uh, were you surprised at the scope of the Red Sox search, and are you surprised of where they ended up? Well, Chaim Bloom, very well thought of. Uh, you know, I, I thought he could have had a, a mess job or a few others. Well, well respected in the industry. Uh, you know, it, it's strange when you win a World Series and you're, you're fired a year later and Dave Dombrowski. The only big problem I have in the Red Sox hiring is, you know, in the press release, they said they brought in Hein Bloom from the outside. He was the first guy in. It sounds like he was the last guy in as well. Whatever happened to Bud Selig rule, I don't think he interviewed a single minority for this job. And that's a complete joke and a, and, and a farce. I mean, what's going on in baseball? Uh, you know, we still haven't had a minority hire yet, whether, uh, you know, front office position or, or managerial. Yeah, I think, I, Bob, you make a good point there. I, I do want to say on the female who brought up the Osuna thing, uh, she had uh, tweeted last year uh, when he came into the games, the hotline. And I mean, this is a, obviously a very, and you're well aware of this, very serious subject and a very bad thing that he did. And, I, you know, the fact that she's worked for Astros.com and did this, uh, you know, I give her credit for having the courage to do that. And it wasn't called for what he did. And I know you. I know you feel that way as well, but uh, I, you know, I'm with you on the minority hires. What is going on here? Washington is a uh, was a runner-up. Dusty Baker was a runner-up. Uh, looked felt like the Angels were going to hire Madden all along, though they did interview a minority. Um, you know uh, what? You know I, I know that MLB can't pick the people to be hired, but there are a lot of well qualified candidates out there. Joe Espada, bench coach for. For the Astros and, uh, of course, Baker and Washington and uh, many, Pedro Grafal, many, many others, uh, you know, uh, what, what do you think? Is, is, is there something that baseball can do uh, uh, about this issue? Because uh, it seems not to be getting much better. No, it almost seems like it's getting worse, John. I mean, you're right about Spasa and, and Grafal. I mean, they should, uh, they, should, they should have jobs. I mean, how about a, uh, a Bam Bam Mullins? I mean, he's with the organization all that time. 
And he even pretty much promised that Brian Sabian was staying in that job. He was going to be the successor to Bruce Bochy. You know, and now, uh, you know, he hasn't been told he's out there running yet, but realistically, he's not going to get that job. So, yeah, it seems like baseball's going, uh, you know, you know, backwards. You know, even, you know, they had a story up there a day when Chuck Merriweather died. And then next thing you know, it's a, it's a picture of Jerry Crawford, you know, on, on the own team, you know, on the mm-hmm. MLB website. Like, well, you know, what, what is going on here? So, yeah, I mean, they, uh, they got an image problem and they need, they need to fix this thing in a hurry. Bob Nightingale, who's got a travel problem and a travel addiction, <laughs> will we'll finally see Phoenix, Arizona again in just a couple of days, no matter what. Hey, thank you, buddy. Continue your great work and safe travels. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Sean. All right. Always Thanks. great to catch up with, with Bob Nightingale. Just a, a, what do they call it? A font of information, a fountain of information. He's got a lot uh, of information. It's amazing and amazing that he's able to do that. He's older than I am. He's running around the country and doing exclusives and uh coming up with stories and covering every game. I, I got to give him credit. There's our breaking news. Somebody in the industry is older than John Hayden. <laughs> He's not the only one. I'm going to text you a list later, okay? Terrific. I'll have my phone off. We, we, <laughs> we got more straight ahead. Byron Kerr will join us to talk Nationals next. Hey everyone, Cody Decker from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about Hims. You know, I've been taking Hims now for a couple of months now. My hair has been growing back thicker, fuller than it has been in years. Baseball did everything it could to try and take my hairline away, and now, thanks to Hims, I'm getting it back. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and me being 32, it was time to get forhims.com. They are your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. This Black Friday, secure the best deal of all, a healthier, thicker hairline. This Thanksgiving, when your relatives say, healthy and full they're finally talking about your hair and not the turkey no more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines for him connects you with real doctors online which could save you hours it's completely confidential and discreet answer a few quick questions online and a doctor will review and they'll determine whether or not hymns is right for you order now and our listeners can get started with a hymns complete hair kit for just five dollars today right now while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval see full website for details and safety information and that website for slash swings well, to get the national side of things and uh, somebody that's actually been right there on the ground at the World Series, Byron Kerr, national beat writer for 10 years now, uh, anchor on the fan in D.C. as well. And I, I guess you were, uh, I don't know, privy to, uh, to chants of lock them up that were probably not directed at Rendon uh, in, in Game 5. I don't think they were directed at you. Uh, a lot of interesting things kind of off the field in this World Series uh, from that to uh, Max Scherzer's health it's uh, not exactly gone to plan has it no i mean i guess you would expect that uh, in the nation's capital if you invite uh, president trump to the baseball game that you're going to have differing opinions and we certainly got to hear that and see some banners and, and other things going on so yeah it was a uh, it was an interesting night and unfortunate weekend for the nationals considering the the high hopes they had after going up 2-0 in houston certainly realized how good this Houston Astros team is by watching what they were able to do the last three nights. Yeah, Byron, it's uh, John Heyman here. Uh, Speaking of that, uh, the games and uh, the situation down three to two, lost three in a row, uh, give some Nats fans some hope. Uh, Obviously, Verlander pitching for Houston, uh, they're set up uh, pretty well uh, with Verlander, then Granke if needed, going home, although home hasn't meant much. What 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 reason do you think that the Nats could possibly come back and, and, and recapture this? 
Yeah, I mean, if you've seen him all season long, it's Steven Strasburg, the way he has been able to uh, the pitch. Uh, this will be his uh, 38th start, which is a career high uh, for a season. He had 34 in, in 2014, and everybody remembers what happened in 2012 when, when they didn't allow him to even pitch in the postseason. So obviously this is a very special moment for him. And you've watched him uh, you know, play and pitch in the postseason and how he has gone through some tough moments where he gives up three runs early on uh, and is able to bounce back and, and then and and get through six innings in different uh, environments. He's done a nice job mixing his curve and his, and his change into with a fastball that doesn't quite hit 97, 98, 99 anymore. And he doesn't get rattled because, uh, you know, he has been through these situations before. You remember, of course, earlier in his career, uh, if there was fog in the stadium, if the mound didn't feel right, if, uh, you know, something was uncomfortable with his equipment, he didn't pitch well. And all that junk doesn't bother him anymore because he's much more mature. Uh, he understands uh, pitching much better than he did when he first came out, when he just tried to blow everything by everyone. He doesn't get rattled, and that, that is something that has helped him in that first game that he pitched against the Astros, where he allows the uh, Alex Bregman home run, but then doesn't really allow anything else. And, you know, that was the calming influence that this team needed early on in the World Series. They got it from Max Scherzer, and they got it from Steven Strasburg, and it bought them some, some, them some time in those games. They were able to get some key hits early on and kind of surprise the Astros a little bit that this team uh, um, was – you know, good enough to be able to score some runs on him. And obviously, as we talked about the last three games, that hasn't happened. But the hope is that Steven Strasburg will be able to do this again because uh, he's battle tested and, you know, he can buy them some time so, with some innings so they don't have to go uh, to that bullpen, which obviously is the, is the biggest weakness on this team. And, you know, and it's all about the the bats now, too. You know, the guys that, that were hitting in the two games in Houston are not hitting now. So they need the top of the order, Trey Turner and Adam Eaton to kind of set the table, which is something that they did when they were winning 18 of 20 games. And that will allow Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto at bats to be much more meaningful so they can get something going. Uh, you know, Howie Kendrick is not hitting like he did in the Los Angeles and, and St. Louis series. They need him to get, get going. The bottom of the order has not really connected as well as they would hoped. Obviously, the Astros are not going to give Juan Soto too many fastballs. So there's a lot of scenarios going on there. Um, but uh, we can we can talk about pitching until the cows come home. Their offense has to get going, too, for them to have a shot in game six. And and the hope that the Nats fans have is is Steven Strasburg to buy, the, buy them some time and keep the Astros off the scoreboard. Byron Kerr visiting with us. And, you know, it dawned on me watching this weekend, Byron, there, there's two different ways that helium can leave a balloon i mean either you pop it and and that's it or it's just a slow leak and that's latter one that's kind of what it felt like all weekend where the fans were just so ready for one big hit anything just to kind of galvanize the whole ballpark and all right here we go you know it had only been once all year i guess that the nationals had had back-to-back games when scoring only one run now it's three in a row and it happened at home on the biggest stage, having won 18 out of 20. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, Josh, that's a great point. I mean, that was something that I thought about when they were up to nothing and said, boy, how special is this going to be for Nationals fans? They have waited, you know, for all these years for this opportunity to have a very good baseball team, uh, you know, wearing their uniforms, going on their home field and to be able to celebrate. No, not in a bar, 
not, you know, on the family room sofa, they get to go out and rejoice 44,000 strong in each game and celebrate this team and, and, and kind of thank them really for what they had done to, uh, to turn things around after starting 19 and 31. And, and, you know, they had done it against the Brewers with that big eighth inning. They had done it against the, the Cardinals late. They had, they had come back in game four against the Dodgers at Nats Park. So they had shown it, but obviously this was a special moment because it's the first world series for the Nationals franchise. And obviously the first in, in the DC area since, you know, 86 years ago. And so that's what really was disappointing for, for us uh, for watching it was that they could not enjoy a couple of rallies or some big moment where they would have that, you know, They've never had crowds as large as this at, at the stadium, obviously, because they can open up the standing room only to a couple thousand, you know, before you would get to 41. And that was about it. Now they were registering 43.8, 43.9. The place was rocking. And, and, you know, they were cheering pop-ups. They were desperate for anything on defense to, to get going. Anything that was, that was hit, you know, they were trying to get to, to will it, uh, the Nationals at bats for, for, for opportunities. But the, the Astros pitching was just too good. Uh, it appeared that the Nationals, hitters, you know, were going after pitches that they normally wouldn't go to try to create something. You could see sometimes that they were over swinging a little bit to try to get that home run or something. Uh, but it's not one quick fix against this Astros team. You have to be a little bit more methodical in your at-bats you have to maybe play some some small ball maybe try to create something uh get a little more scrappy because the three-run double and the the, the solo homers are not going to arrive with one swing at the, at the at-bat and you know credit goes to the astros pitching those guys did a great job uh but the nationals also you know appeared to kind of squeeze their bats a little bit over this weekend you know when they play on the road there's kind of this uh, us against the world mentality that Adam Eaton talked about last night that they know no one thinks they can do it. And, uh, you know, at home, you know, maybe they exhaled a little bit and got up to, uh, and thought, okay, well, maybe we can, this will come to us instead of, you know, uh, instead of, uh, us creating something. And then when things got, uh, sideways in the beginning of, of those, of those games, or it was four, nothing in, in pretty much every one of the games this weekend, you know, they started to, to realize we're running out of time here. And, and you know, it, it just they were never able to get more than two base hits in a row uh, strung together. And, it, and it, it was it was unfortunate for the fans because obviously they were they were expecting so, something so much more in those three games. Hey, Byron, I'm going to look for a little inside stuff, some uh, insight yeah. from you uh, from the clubhouse, uh, you know, on this two part question. Uh, to those of us uh, who just were looking from a distance, it looked like Scherzer's in so much pain he could barely carry on that press conference. So right. uh, it looks like he's going to be out, but I'd like you to give me your inside info on that one, what your thoughts are. And also, they look like incredible sportsmen. Obviously, that. Uh, ball strike called a Robles was clearly wrong. Right. I, I think the one at Correa was probably wrong. Uh, they were, ve- the Nats were very good about it all though. They did not complain. Uh, is that really how they felt? Did you, did you, did you sense anything different in the clubhouse there? Well, to start off with Max Scherzer <clears throat> to see the way he looked, uh, John, when he walked in and that, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure uh, you and Josh and others that are listening have had, 
situations where you hurt your neck or you felt something where you can't move or you can't get out of bed or, you know, and that's what it looked like to me. But, but to the nth, to the 1000th degree, because he, he had to turn his whole body to talk to you. He, uh, he seemed like he was still in a lot of pain. He had obviously had a bandaid or some sort of cover on the neck where they had given the cortisone shot. And, uh, <clears throat> so he was obviously extremely disappointed. And, and from what I can see, if, and what I can glean from being inside the clubhouse is this is something that has bothered him for a couple of days, maybe. Uh, and obviously with the back and the, and the neck and the tra- trapezius that he has had trouble with during the season, a concern for him here in the last month or so off and on because of the way he pitches and the amount of st- amount of torque that he puts into his body when he has to throw a pitch. So that is what concerns me the most is, is, you know, can he recover in the matter of 24 to 48 hours? What he's going to do is go through this, obviously this treatment and plan that they've have um, with the chiropractor and with the medicine that he's taking to try to, you know, calm, calm that area down. Uh, be careful with the flight today uh, to Houston and see how he, he feels after game six and hopeful that maybe they could use him in some sort of, responsibility in game seven. I don't know if it would be able to, to, to throw 100 pitches on go seven innings, but uh, so I'm not optimistic about, um, you know, Max Scherzer for game seven, but if you know, Max Scherzer, uh, you know, he's going to try. And if they can get to a game seven, he certainly will do everything he possibly can. But for him to say that he could not pitch, that, that, that tells me that he was an extreme and could be still in extreme amounts of pain. Obviously, Davey was not thrilled. Victor Robles not thrilled with those calls. It really was uh, a tough situation. A layman watching Lance Parksdale and the way he was operating his strike zone, where uh, the Zimmerman call was close when they allowed the walk for Ryan Zimmerman. And it's almost like, well, you know, I gave you that one. So this one's really close as well. Not quite as close. Uh, I'm going to call this one a strikeout here. And, and you know, it, it was a, a very, very difficult moment there. You know, for for someone to play, you know, from a layman standpoint, from a fan standpoint, for 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 an umpire to play the game that way, to call a game that way is you can't do that in the World Series. That was disappointing. Yes, absolutely, they were pretty upset, but they have to be extremely careful, and they're all monitoring what what players say. And so, uh, Jan Gomes would not uh, answer any of those questions yesterday, uh, John, about that. Uh, situation and what was going on with the strikes throughout the game from Barksdale. And obviously, Davey was very, very careful. Victor Robles was very gracious. So, of course, they're extremely upset. But, you know, they had a lot of opportunities, and, and it came down to that moment uh, because they they didn't get enough uh, chances to score. Very cool. Uh, Byron to join us and give us the Nats perspective, heading down the home stretch, obviously, of World Series 2019. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Don. All right, man. What about 2020, though? What's going to be happening going forward in baseball? All kinds of managerial upheaval, GM upheaval. Thank God we've got John Heyman to sift through that. That's right now. We always finish big on big-time baseball. We get the very latest from the guy that's got his ears out there and so many great contacts in the sport. John Heyman's going to tell us now about managers, and a couple of them already locked in. No surprise with Madden ending up. With the Angels, Mickey Calloway looks like the pitching coach, which I think is really uh, a great hire. It seemed like he was kind of the uh, the guy, John, that while it didn't work out for him in a big city as a manager, 
Uh, he's already proven that he can be a pitching coach in, in any market. So there he goes. Angels have put their stuff together. Uh, what else are you seeing on the landscape here? Yeah, we still have uh, four to go. So it's a big managerial season, and uh, Pittsburgh is on hold right now. They're taking a pause because uh, Neil Huntington, the GM, was uh, let go. So uh, they've kind of done this purge in stages. Uh, first it was Clint Hurdle, then it was uh, the president, uh, Frank Coonley, and now Neil Huntington, the GM. And it's uh, very odd what's gone on with the Pirates. Hurdle had basically announced that uh, he felt safe that he'd be back. Uh, he must have been told something along those lines. And then he was fired. Huntington was given a, a vote of approval uh, from the owner, Bob Nett- Nutting. And now he is gone now. So they have done a complete purge. And they're taking a pause and starting again. I'd heard Derek Shelton, the bench coach uh, from the from the Twins, had had a nice interview. But I, at this point, I think it doesn't matter. They're looking for a general manager. And they're going to figure that out first and then get to the manager and uh, see what happens from there. We've got uh, three others. I, we've said all along, we thought Katze has a good chance with the Giants. Obviously, Farhan Zaidi in charge there uh, knows Gabe Kapler from L.A. and likes him very much. Joe Espada, uh, the bench coach from Houston, so he's a hot name, is heading out there for another interview once this World Series is over. Uh, they are continuing their search, but uh, Katze feels like the favorite there. Kansas City's the one I think we know is going to be Mike Matheny, barring something unforeseen. Dale Swaim has pulled out. They have two other in-house candidates. Pedro Grafalo also interviewed in San Francisco and Vance Wilson, uh, who's there as well. But I think Mike Matheny is the likely guy. Is a little bit of a holdup as they have an ownership change there and figure it out. And a couple more questions to figure out on Matheny, how he didn't uh, maybe hit it off with the St. Louis media, which is uh, a media you should be able to hit it off with. But Matheny's had a, a great track record and he's a proven manager. And I think that's what Kansas City's looking for. Mets uh, are the... Most interesting one right now. We've got six candidates left. We have Bogar. We have Eduardo Perez, Carlos Beltran, Shelton, who we'd mentioned before. Pat Murphy turned out to be the bombshell candidate. A good, solid baseball man. I'm not sure he's a bombshell. No. Uh, and you've got Rojas uh, in-house. So you've got six. I, I don't think it's going to be Rojas. I think they love him, but he's probably for later. Uh, Beltran, I understand the Mets look like they're going to hire someone who's never been a full-time major league manager, but Beltran uh, really has a lack of experience uh, managing, coaching, what have you. So I'd be surprised, at least mildly so, if it was Beltran. That leaves, it'll probably be Bogar, Perez, Shelton, or Murphy, uh, guys who are not experienced, but very well regarded and uh, should be one of them. I know some people are saying there's still a bombshell candidate out there. But if there is, I haven't found it, and I think it will be one of those four. John Heyman would be a bombshell candidate that much. <laughs> not me. Bobby Valentine, Alex Rodriguez, A.J. Hinch, who it's not going to be A.J. Hinch. Uh, he's the manager of Houston for another couple of years. He's not going to factor in there. And uh, David Wright has told me he's not going to do it. And uh, A-Rod just laughed it off. I took that as a no. So, uh, you know, there are some bombshells out there. But uh, Pat Murphy, great baseball guy, not a bombshell. No, 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 no. Uh, so, hey, let me ask you about a, a total non-bombshell, although, you know, it was a surprise, but it certainly wasn't like, wow, can't believe we got this guy. Sell me on Jace Tingler as, as the Padres manager, because I know in San Diego, people are like, what? Who? 
<laughs> well, if they listen to our podcast, we've mentioned that on every podcast, I think uh, he, he is the guy who's been the favorite, I think. I know a lot of people thought it was Ron Washington. Uh, Tingler is A.J. Preller's guy from Texas. That's the guy that he wanted. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of pressure on Preller right now. Um, he wants to, if he's going to go down, he's got to go down with his guy, his pick, and that is Tingler. Uh, obviously not a household name, not a bombshell, uh, other than the fact that it's a major surprise to most people. But, uh, you know, A.J. Preller's a guy who's been willing to take gambles, and some of them work, some of them haven't. They certainly have great prospects. The major league team hasn't been doing well, but uh, Tingler better do a good job in that first year, or uh, Preller may find himself on the firing line. Final one for you, John, before we wrap. Speaking of the Padres, Will Myers, trade candidate, uh, Mitch Hanniger uh, up the coast. Certainly seems like he'd be on the block. Do they make sense as a certain destination point for you off the top of your head? Yeah, I think both of those guys are will be on the block and uh, have a good chance to be traded. Obviously, Meyer's not coming off a typical season. He signed to an $83 million deal, and uh, he had a negative war last year. So that was not a typical year. It'll be selling low, uh, but I think he needs a change of scenery. Uh, Mitch Hanniger, uh I don't know if this came out, but I, my, my understanding is Seattle had tried to sign him long term. Didn't work out. He, they had made him a kind of their untouchable uh, last winter when they were trading almost everybody else or considering it. And uh, I, I, he had a very rough year, had a very, very serious injury uh, and uh, didn't play after June 6th. And uh, so he, he they'd be selling low, too. But uh, at this point, I, I think uh, with him not taking that deal and uh, the way things have worked out, uh, he will be on the block as well. Very good player and a power hitter. And they won't get what they would have gotten last year when they trade him. But uh, I, I think there'll still be a decent amount of interest in him. All right. So we'll leave it there and promise you one more post-World Series podcast. We'll let you know who won, the Astros or the Nationals and I do want to thank our guests today, obviously, Bob Nightingale, Byron Kerr. Fascinating season, top to bottom, and we appreciate you being with us all year long. One more still to go, so don't check out on us yet. But thanks for listening, as always, to Radio.com Sports Big Time Baseball, presented by Radio.com Sports. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Go back and listen to episodes you didn't hear before. Just search Big Time Baseball. You can find us on Twitter, too, at RDC Sports. Until next time, for John Heyman, Josh Lewis. Thanks, guys. See ya. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.